You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's another beautiful day for baseball in Los Angeles. Baseball podcast. Josh Schaefer and Blake Harris cover everything Dodgers right here on Inside the Ravine. How's it going, everyone? And welcome to the first episode of the regular season of Inside the Ravine. A rarity, Josh. We're recording an episode when there's actually Dodgers baseball happening. So, uh, Man, what what an opening series. Before we get to the entire weekend, everything that happened over the last four to five days, how you doing? How you feeling? What's the latest on your end? Oh, dude, well, as you can see, obviously not everyone can see, it's time for a haircut because I've got all this right in the front. Don't know what to do with it. So That makes two of us. Yeah, we're going to have to figure that out today. That's I haven't done anything since I've woken up, too. I've just kind of set up for the show. And, you know, look, I, 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 there's no point doing my hair, right? Because I'm going to get a cut today. But as you can see, it is time to get it done. I look like a cartoon character. Um, but, yeah, so that's today. Um, and then, you know, we'll see what the rest of the day has in store. See, you have great, like, morning bed hair. Like, you look like you're, gets a, you're about to head into, like, a business meeting. The way it just looks perfectly <laughs> quaffed. Whereas mine, I haven't gotten a haircut since August. And... Oh my fr- god! Yeah, the top is like it's fine. Like if I were to like comb it, it would look you know presentable. It's just the back and the sides that have just gotten out of control and so bad. Where every person that you know comes inside of me, the first thing they ask me instead of how are you, what's the latest, it's when is that haircut coming. So uh, yeah, we're gonna be getting it cut in a couple of weeks because I got a friend's wedding I got to go to and uh, yeah, got to look somewhat presentable for that. So you're Can't getting a haircut today. The wedding. Unfortunately, I wish I wish you could. See, if it was my wedding, Josh, I'd say, you know what? Wear whatever you want. It's going to be a chill night. Come as you please. Because let's be real, Josh. If you're hosting a wedding with 200 people, what percentage do you think would be okay with just showing up however they please? Like, what percent do you think actually really wants to go all out, get an expensive suit, do all this kind of stuff? Because me personally, I want my guests to just be comfortable I want my guests to not have to worry about, again, suit shopping, dress shopping. Maybe that's just me. Maybe that's just me uh, wanting to please everyone, but hey, can't do that. I mean, that's. I feel like that's because you just don't want to do that. <laughs> that's also true. <laughs> but it's possible. It's entirely possible. I, I've never been to a wedding like that, but I think I might be down. See, my cousin's wedding, my, 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 my cousin's getting married in Portland this summer, but his wedding is like a Hawaiian kind of vibe where it's show up in a Hawaiian shirt, some shorts, some sandals. Uh, that's the vibe he's going for, which I am in favor of. I love that. Wow. Yeah, so that's, that's going to be bad. a fun one. So my, so my cousin knows. flip-flops, the Hawaiian shirt, and the backwards hat, right? Yep. 
there you go. It, yeah, that that's the way. So shout out to shout out to my cousin for uh, deciding that. So enough marriage talk. Uh, actually, Josh, we're actually going to be talking a little marriage later in the show, which is actually that would have been the perfect transition. But we're going to save that for later in the show. But before we talk about the Dodgers opening series and everything we saw over the last five days, make sure you guys listen to the show, subscribe to the show wherever you guys get your podcast. We're on Spotify, Apple, we're on the Odyssey app, and whatever other apps out there that you guys can listen and download podcasts. Also, make sure to follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Just search Inside the Ravine. You guys are going to find us there. We post show clips. We post stuff about the Dodgers. So if you're on any of those apps, make sure you follow us there. But Josh, time to to transition now into some Dodgers talk because the first series of the year is in the books. They face the Arizona Diamondbacks for four games. Now, Josh, if I would have told you this on Thursday afternoon before, you know, the first game tipped off, that the Dodgers would outscore the D-backs 20-7 to over the course of the four-game series, with that information, what would your prediction be as to how many games the Dodgers won that series? Well, I probably would have said at least three. I mean, we were talking about this last night. Um, my girlfriend's a D-backs fan, so... Um, we went to one of the games this weekend. Um, not a good one for her, I'll say. Um, it was the mad bum, you know, implosion in the first inning. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, just it, you look at the games 8 2, 2 1, 10 1, 2 1. Like, I didn't, I would not have expected the Dodgers to have won just two games in this series. Going in, if you told me the Dodgers were going to split a four game series with the D backs, I would have been like, Whatever. The fact that you see how badly they outscored them across four games, you would expect better. I mean, that's the beauty and also the horror of baseball that, you know, yeah. it doesn't necessarily matter how much better you are. All it takes is scoring one more run than the other team. And that's all it takes, you know, to win a game. Like you said, Josh, two games. You look at the scores eight to two, 10 to one, two games the Dodgers dominated. And then the other two games. 2-1 in favor of the D-backs, games that honestly could have gone either way, whereas if the Dodgers just score three runs in either of those games, this is a four-game series sweep, and you know, a lot of people, they want to put some blame on the relievers for not doing their job, which yeah, you could, because you know, Alex Vesia, he comes in, allows two runs, allows the lead, and then Bruce Dark Ratterall, obviously yesterday, he comes in, allows the go-ahead run, but Anytime your pitching staff, Josh, allows only two runs, I feel like they've done their job. I feel like they're in no no reason to blame because for a Dodgers offense, anytime you score one run, I just think that's inexcusable, especially against the D-backs where out, out of these four games, Josh, I, I could have seen a, one of these games that was 2-1 be in the Zach Gallant game. Because we talked about him, we thought, I think on the last show, I was like, yeah, wait until it's like the sixth inning, the Dodgers are being no hit, and Twitter's going to be blowing up. No, if anything, the Dodgers offense was the best against Zach Gallen, a Cy Young caliber pitcher. It was the other starting pitching, I guess maybe the exception of Madison Bumgarner, because he was chased kind of early, that the Dodgers just struggled against. The offense went ice cold. Yeah, yeah, it did. And, and you, before, before I talk about the offense, I mean, you talk about the pitching staff and I, I've got no issues to the yeah. opening series. Sure. You know, Vesia wasn't very good. Um, only one game. Gratterall. The tough part is on that bunt 
first of all, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that game, but that's a play that he probably could have made too. Tough play, but he probably could have made that play. So it's not even like I'm going to put a ton of blame on him for, for, um, for kind of letting that game get away. But again, like other than that, I mean, Andre Jackson was really good. Shelby Miller had a clean inning. Uh, Yancy Almonte was good as he always is. And then the starting pitching was awesome. Fantastic. I mean, Kershaw, Syndergaard, Julio, Dustin May, lights out. I mean, I don't think you could ask for more from the pitcher, from the starting pitchers. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think the bats just couldn't really get it done. And I mean, you look at what some of the issues were, and they're the same issues as we've seen in the past. I mean, you blow up one game, you've got nothing the next night except for a solo home run. You blow up the next night, day after, you've got nothing but a solo home run. So it's kind of the same issues. And I mean, and then you, and then you look at the guys that are actually getting the abs. And Will Smith's been good. Miguel Vargas has been good. Freddie Freeman's been good. Max Muncie has hit the ball one time and has struck out seven times in 13 at-bats. Like, it's the same issues that I think they're having. They're not getting hits with runners on base. Um, they haven't been as disciplined as I think you want them to be. Um, I mean, a guy like Miguel Vargas has already walked eight times. I mean, like, you know, I think I, I think that they're doing – the games where they've exploded for runs – not just have been good wins for the Dodgers. I think that's been piecing everything together where the pitching was awesome and the offense was awesome from start to finish. But in the losses, that's when you see the similar problems arise again where they're not consistently hitting. They're only hitting for power. Um, And again, you know, they lose that game four because the D-backs were able to adapt to the situation the Dodgers didn't. Yeah, I mean, we're going to kind of go game by game, just look at it as a whole and just talk about it. And really, Josh, the only game out of the four-game series in which you can say, okay, it was like a total team effort offensively was opening day when the Dodgers score eight runs. I mean, a number of players, you know, drove in runs. It was kind of mainly Will Smith because he had three hits, drove in four runs, but obviously J.D. Martinez drove in a run. David Peralta drove in a run. James Outman, you know, the guy we've been talking about all offseason, he had a fantastic showing. He had the first Dodgers home run, you know, of the season. And uh, again, that's the kind of Dodgers team we're expecting. We're expecting all these guys to contribute, and they put up eight runs fairly easy. You know, I talked about chasing Zach Allen out of the game. We were both kind of worried that the Dodgers would struggle. They looked really good against him, and overall, that that was a really good showing by the Dodgers. Julio Urias, he looked fantastic after, like, the first inning. He ended up going six innings, allowed only two runs. Then Phil Bigford, Shelby Miller, Yancy Almonte, they came in, and I don't think they allowed a single hit. That opening night was like the perfect kind of game you could have gotten top to bottom from the Dodgers, but that was the only game all series that we saw, like I said, a total team effort uh, come together for the victory. Yeah, you're right. And I mean, it was it was consistent hitting. So sure, the D-backs scored in the first inning and the second inning, but after that, the Dodgers scored two in the third, three in the five, two in the sixth, uh, one in the eighth, like, and then it was consistent. They had 12 hits, so... Um, and, and you're right, you know, three hits were from Will Smith. He had four RBIs. He was the Dodgers' best player that game. Um, but, yeah, I mean, everyone, for the most part, was contributing to the offense. Even Mookie, who struck out three times, still got on base, still uh, scored a run. Um, so, you know, people were contributing, um, and I think that's important. M- Miguel Vargas didn't have a hit, but got on base twice with two walks and scored a run. Um, it's only been four games, but 
even when Vargas isn't hitting the ball, I, I like watching him take ABs. Um, he's a fun player to watch, and I think that he's going to play a huge role for the team this year, at the plate especially. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that was the, the best team effort. And then you're right. You know, Julio got better as the game went on. Two runs in the first two innings, and after that he did not give up much. And the bullpen didn't even allow a single hit, let alone a base runner. So, um, actually, there might have been an error later in the game. So, if you want to call it a base runner. But, um, yeah, no hits, no walks, a couple of strikeouts for the bullpen. Um, and, and, yeah, I mean, I, from start to finish, um, start, let's say, second inning, the Dodgers were great, and it was probably their best team effort win. Yeah, so, again, Thursday, fantastic. But then we transition into Friday, Josh, and this is when things start to take a turn for the worse. So now, over the course of Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, three games, every player on the team not named Trace Thompson, they drove in a total of four combined runs. Four combined runs over those three games. Obviously, we'll get to Trace Thompson in the next game, but... The Dodger offense, it's kind of hidden behind what Trace Thompson did on Saturday because he was able to contribute so much. Josh, going into Friday's game, they were facing uh, Merrill Kelly. Now, answering this game, prior to this game, Josh, I'm going to read off his numbers against the Dodgers last season. So Merrill Kelly started five games against the Dodgers in 2022. His ERA was 8.25. The Dodgers as a team hit 330 and had an OPS above 1,000. That's in yeah. five starts last year against Merrill Kelly. Would you like to take a, a crack as to uh, how many runs and uh, how many hits the Dodgers had against Merrill Kelly on Friday night? Well, I know the answer is zero runs. Did there not you go. Run, uh, and only hit the ball three times. Yeah. So. Um, not great. Again, he didn't even he didn't even stay in the game very long. He was only in for three and two thirds. So. Yeah. Well, he he also issued four walks in. Yeah three innings. So he was fine. Um, my problem after that is Dre Jamison comes into this game and just <laughs> shuts the door. Like this the dude was dude comes in unreal. Shuts the door. Yeah. I mean, he, he was awesome and he gave up the one home run, right? So he, he gives up the home run to, to, uh, to Mookie and that was it. And that was all she wrote. Like, <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. pretty much all the Dodgers had that game, and, and it doesn't even happen until the seventh inning. Only five hits, um, one run on a solo shot from Mookie Betts, and then things fell apart in the eighth inning um, for Vesia. Yeah, so the only run comes via a Mookie Betts home run, and that's the annoying thing about this game, Josh. The Dodgers only had five hits, but as a team, they had nine walks. So it's like, yeah, the hits were necessarily there, but if you walk nine times, you would think maybe... At some point, one or two of those guys had come in. For the game, the Dodgers were 0 for 7 with runners in scoring position. They stranded 12 on base. Josh, that sounds kind of familiar. Uh, an 0 for 7 stranding 12 on base. The last time the I Dodgers see, were I doing that. left on base. Oh, maybe. Oh, I think that's probably like left on base as a, as a team for like every oh. time a player comes up. So left on base yeah, is to like end okay, the inning, okay. but th that's, yeah, but per player, like if you want to expand on that. Oh, per player, okay. Yeah, so as a team, so that's if there's like one out, no outs, that's per player, but that actually makes it kind of worse, because like I said, the 12 is just to end an inning, but the 19, like you mentioned, that's in total, like that's how many guys were on base in total that the Dodgers failed to bring in, and we talked about that literally in the NLDS numerous times. 
if the Dodgers get one hit, just one, if they get one hit with a runner in scoring position, they win that game, they beat the Padres, they win that series. If on Friday night, the Dodgers get one hit with a runner in scoring position, it brings in one, maybe two runs, the innings extended, and the Dodgers win that game. So it's literally, it took two games into the season, Josh, for us to already be bringing up this point where we've seen this so many times. We even saw it last season, even though the Dodgers led all of baseball with runners in scoring or hitting with runners in scoring position, all that kind of stuff. The Dodgers downfall is that they are going to lose a game when they fail to do this. It doesn't matter how good the pitching is, because as we saw, they allowed two runs. It'd be one thing if this was a four to one game, five to one game, it wouldn't be as big of a deal, but they should have won. And the, the worst part is, Josh, we're going to be talking about this in a couple more games from now. Yeah, yeah, we are. And, I mean, that's – partly it's just that's baseball, but it's just for the Dodgers, I mean, you see – if we transition into into Saturday's game now, I mean, you see what they do when they hit the ball with runners on base and what they do when they hit the ball with runners in scoring position. Because Saturday's game, they leave eight guys on base, but they score ten runs. And they hit – sure, there were three home runs from Trace Thompson. There were a couple of home runs just in general. But the problem is that in the losses, you see the same problems. In the wins, those problems are changed, which makes sense, right? If you don't get the job done, you don't win the game. But the problem for me is that I'm sure it's early, but when you do it, you win by a lot and you score a lot of runs. When you don't yeah. do it, you don't score any runs. And you lose two one, right? But when they're winning, but when they're winning games, they're blowing the D backs out. And we saw that last year too, where you know it would come down the stretch of the season, and the Dodgers win a game ten to one, then lose a game two to one, and you're like, all right, well, you just didn't do anything you did yesterday. And then the next day, you win ten to one again. You're like, oh, they're fine. And then you come back in, and you're like, well, they lost two to one again. Like, same problems. And then that's obviously what happens in the postseason. So, yeah, that's baseball. And that's kind of how the it's just that's how the game goes sometimes. But for the Dodgers, it's just two completely opposite ends of the spectrum here. That's what I yeah. think is frustrating when it comes to games like that. It's not just the loss; it's how you lose. Yeah, and I think the thing that's the most telling because I went and actually looked up the stat from last season. So obviously, the Dodgers won 111 games, one of the best teams in all of baseball. I think probably like the fourth or fifth best regular season team of all time. Josh, would you like to take a guess as to what, what their record was in one-run games? I'll give you a hint. They had 31 games that were decided by one run. So I'll let you take a guess as to how many games they won, considering this was a 111-win team. So I'll just let you take a guess at that. 31. I'm going to say that they have a below 500 record. I'm going to say... I'm going to go extreme. I'll go 13 and 18. Kind of close, just off by a couple games. So they were one game above 500. They were 16 oh, and wow. 15. But still, Josh, for a team that's considered one of the three to four best regular season teams of all time, that just goes to show when the game gets close, when the game gets really competitive, this was a team that was 500, you know, in a 1 1 game. I. A couple of seasons ago, I forget what year it was. It was the Seattle Mariners. I don't know if you remember this. They were like historically good in one-run games. I think it was something insane. Like they never blew like a ninth-inning lead or anything like that. They were just a dominant team when it came to a one-run game. And that was a team that I don't even think made the playoffs. Now I didn't take time and go through all thirty teams, but I could have guaranteed if I would have taken a look at the other twenty-nine teams, 
there would be a lot of teams that missed the playoffs that probably had a better record in one-run games. So, uh, again, yeah. at the end of the day, winning a lot of games is great. It's fun when you blow out a team 10-1. to 1. But as we saw, come playoff time, you're not necessarily going to be blowing teams out like that. Sure, there might be a game here and there, but for the most part, games are going to be closed. Games are going to be competitive. And when the game gets tight like that, the Dodgers just struggle. But we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about a heroic effort on Saturday night that was actually pretty historic by a Dodgers player. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, we are back, Josh. Now let's transition. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply position to a, a more lighthearted note because uh, Saturday's game was phenomenal. The Dodgers win 10 to 1, but it wasn't necessarily the Dodgers that won 10 to 1. It was more Trace Thompson won 8 to 1 because Trace Thompson had one of the greatest games by a Dodger in franchise history. Three home runs, drove in eight RBIs. He became the third player in Dodgers history to ever have a game in which he had three home runs, drove in eight RBIs. Josh, I tweeted the stats, so I don't know if you saw it, because I was going to say I'll throw it to you for maybe a trivia question. So one, did you see the stat I tweeted out as to who the other two Dodger players were that have done this before in team history? Just three home runs in a game? Three home runs with eight RBIs in a game. Oh, three home runs with eight RBIs. There's there's only been two. Because Mookie so, had a three home run game. But he didn't drive but in not eight. not eight RBIs. I'll, I'll give you some hints. One of them came just a couple years ago in 2016. 2016. Three home runs, eight RBIs in 2016. I mean... I mean, I feel like 2016, probably not Justin Turner. 2016. Who would have been in 2016? I'll give and you another hint. There, right? I'll give you another hint. He uh, recently announced his retirement, even though he hasn't played in the show in a couple of years. Recently announced his retirement. Aegon? It was Aegon. Okay. Adrian Gonzalez, three homers, eight RBIs. Now, the other one, Josh, we're going to have to go back a ways in the history books. 1950. But I oh, know man. you don't have the entire 1950 roster memorized, you know, front to back. So I will tell you. Their number is retired by the Dodgers. Okay. 1950. Um, I think I have two good guesses here. I would go... Hold on. So, 1950. So, we're talking Brooklyn Dodgers. My first guess will be Roy Campanella. 
Unfortunately, that's a good guess, but unfortunately, no. So not Roy. Okay, let's see. Who's another good one? Uh, I, I can give you. I can, I'll give you another hint. They're, I'm uh, go, they're unless you want to guess. They had the last number retired by the Dodgers. Okay, so it's Gil Hodges then. That was my. There second you go. Guess. There you go. Gil, Gil Hodges. Hodges. So Trace Thompson joined some pretty elite company again. The Dodger history books go back a long, long ways, but only three players have accomplished what he accomplished, and he was only one, I think he was a two-run uh, two homer away from completing the home run cycle. Hit the grand slam, hit the three-run home run, hit the solo shot, so Trace Thompson does it all for the Dodgers on Saturday night, his first start of the season, and uh, Josh, you were actually at this game. You got to see this firsthand, so uh, I want to take it and throw it to you uh, as someone who got to witness this firsthand, witness Dodger history. What was it? Uh, what was it like at Dodger Stadium watching this stuff go down? I mean, the first inning was great. Um, the grand slam, you know, sometimes it's fun watching Mad Bum kind of get knocked around a little bit, um, and then obviously the first sometimes the grand slam was great. <laughs> I think it's always fun watching Mad Bum get absolutely rocked. The first inning was great, and obviously the grand slam. When he came up later and hit the three-run bomb, it was like, uh, no way. Like, that's awesome. And then or we were up on the concourse, or on the – not the concourse, like the loge level, um, and we were, we were up there, and we were kind of standing up watching a later at-bat, and that one got out in a hurry. At least it seemed like it did. Um, that was the solo home run. It was just ridiculous. I mean, like, I'm just standing there thinking like, you've got to be kidding me that this guy keeps doing this. Um, but it was awesome. I mean, like at that point you knew the game was over, like you knew the game was over pretty early too. Um, I mean, Christian Walker had the home run cause of course he did. Um, but um, earlier in the game, but you still kind of had that feeling like the game's probably over, but you never know. Usually when the Dodgers start hitting home runs, either things are going to go well, but if it's just one solo shot, then it's like, ah, well, I don't know what's going to happen, but I mean, they were pretty good and they were pretty consistent. So you kind of knew that the game was probably going to be a win. Um, and then every time he came up, you kind of was just like, oh, oh, hello. And then he hit that home run later. So, I mean, it, it was it was awesome um, and and really happy for him. And uh, and I liked hearing what, what he had to say after the game, what Dave had to say about, you know, if you start hitting three home runs a game, you're starting the next day and things like that. So, I mean, good for him. Obviously, he played it down. He was pretty cool about it. But um, – Obviously, that was a super cool moment. And then the curtain call was awesome, too. Yeah. I mean, just the whole Trace Thompson story is incredible in itself. But the fact that, yeah, first game of the season, he was awful during spring training, comes out, hits three home runs. And another fun fact about this, Josh, all three of his home runs, I don't know if you saw this as well because you were at the game, had the exact same exit velocity of 107.5 really? miles an hour. All three homers, the exact same exit velocity. All three were different distances. But he hit the exact same off the bat, all three. So a really solid game for Trace Thompson. I mean, I think, I don't know, I'd have to check right now. But after that game, I know he was the league leader in RBIs with eight already. And he was tied for the league lead in home runs. So he still may be tied for both those. But uh, again, quite the performance. Now, just because this is going to be a transition into the next game, Josh. But again, lost in the Trace Thompson game because the Dodgers did win 10-1. to Obviously, you can't just take a performance out and just say this is what would have happened, but if you take Trace Thompson's performance out of that game, the Dodgers only scored two runs as a team. A solo homer from J.D. Martinez, which you love to see, and a sacrifice fly from Chris Taylor. 
So again, only two runs the rest of the way, but you'll take that because it was a dominant performance from top to bottom, essentially, but not really as much. But then you transition now into Sunday, another game, the Dodgers lose two to one. And again, this is what I kind of mentioned earlier, Josh, when you combine the last three games of the series as an entire team outside of Trace Thompson, they score only four runs and another, another game, Josh, I, this is not a repeat of what we talked about in game two, because as a team, the Dodgers go 0 for 6 with runners in scoring position. They leave eight on base and they lose two to one. Almost identical. To, I mean, the score was identical, but it. What, 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 why, Josh? Why? Why? Yeah, I mean, it was the same kind of thing, except this one it was a first inning home run and then nothing for the next, not, for the next eight innings. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's it's disappointing. I mean, you look up and down the lineup and Mookie had a hit, Freddie had two, Will Smith had a hit, and then everybody else in the lineup who came in did not have a hit. Four hits all game from your top three batters. Mookie, Freddie, Will Smith. Nothing for anybody else. And 11 strikeouts in the game. And that includes two for Will Smith. So I'm not going to like harp on him because he's been great. He's hitting 455. But 11 strikeouts and nine of them were from four down. All the guys that didn't have it. Yeah. So it just didn't go well um, at all. Um, you know, Davies looked pretty good. Um, the bullpen looked pretty good for Arizona. Obviously, they don't give up any runs. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the Dodgers, you know, you end up leaving, what, as a team, 14 total on base um, and striking out 11 times. And that's not a good recipe for a win. And then you look at the hits and there's only four and there's a run and it's one and it's a solo shot. So it just yeah. wasn't good enough. And, again, it's the same problems. So, I mean, we, we talked about it with the Friday night game. It's the same problems. Yeah, hitters four through nine in this game yesterday. Uh, a combined 0 for 21. That's uh, not going to really win you a game ever. If you're going over yeah. 21 and, and you know what, look like it's, it's, it's baseball. Like people, like teams have off games, players have off games. That's fine. But again, like I said earlier, it's the same game twice. And that's, what's disappointing about it for the Dodgers is you played the same game twice with all the runs, but the same game twice with all the strikeouts and all the left on base and all the and the lack of runs. It was the same yeah. game twice. So that's, what's disappointing about it. Josh, we do have my very first Dave Roberts critique of the season, and it only oh, took boy. four games to happen. We should have done this before the season started. We should have made like an over-under projection. Like, how many games into the season do we get before we're complaining about Dave Roberts? The first three games, no, n- nothing. You know, again, the, the game on Friday, it happened, whatever. Yesterday was when I have my first real issue, So, and I'll tell you why. The Dodgers are obviously going closer by committee. We've talked about this before. We like it. We're in favor of it. So they bring in Evan Phillips for the eighth inning. Now, usually if you're bringing in Evan Phillips for the eighth inning, it's to face the heart of a team's lineup. He came in to face the eight, nine, and one hitters. And as expected, he retired, you know, the side in, I think, nine pitches. For the ninth inning, for the meat and the heart of the D-backs lineup, you bring in Bruce Dark Ratterall, who doesn't have any swing and miss capabilities, was pretty bad all spring for the Dodgers. 
and he starts getting absolutely rocked. I think he allowed four hits, allowed three consecutive hits. A run should have scored had it not been for Mookie Betts doing what Mookie Betts does in right field and just hosing a guy at the plate, which, by the way, I think it was Cattell Marte who he threw out twice this series. But had it not been for that, that's an additional run that scores. And Dave Roberts has nobody warming up in the bullpen. It's like he was just going to let Bruce Dark Gratterall die on the mound. Now, I would understand it if Bruce Dark was like the last arm available. You need him to just get out of it. But this was a Dodgers team that had an entirely fresh bullpen, with the exception of Andre Jackson, who got a three-inning save the night before, which you got to witness as well. He was the only guy that was down, and no one was warming up. So I get it, he allowed only one run, it wasn't that bad, but this inning was on the verge of being a disaster. He could have allowed much, many more runs, and there wasn't a single guy warming up in the Dodgers bullpen, which I don't understand. Like, it, it just goes to show, I think, he was okay with whatever happened that inning with Bruce Dark Ratterall, but this is a season in which every game is going to matter that much more because the Padres are going to be on the Dodgers' tail, I talked about this, I think, at some point this offseason. I think the D-backs are a wildcard team that they could potentially put up a fight. You need to win every game imaginable. And it just seemed like by having Evan Phillips pitch the eighth, throwing Bruce Dark Ratterall, having no one behind him, it just kind of had not an urgent mentality. And then you go to the bottom of the ninth, Josh, as if things couldn't get any worse. You have James Outman coming up to lead off the inning, who probably had been the Dodgers... I want to say second best hitter behind Will Smith throughout the entire series. Didn't have a hit yesterday, but he reached base with a walk, reached base by getting hit by a pitch, stole the Dodgers' first base of the season. So you have a guy coming up that has speed, that has power. I get it. He's facing a lefty. His numbers are significantly better against righties, but I looked up his numbers. In the minors last year, James Outman had an OPS of, I think, like 803 against lefties, so was still fairly respectable. And instead, Josh, you pinch hit him, for Austin Barnes. Austin Barnes, who I had to look up last season, hit 180 against lefties. And uh, he struck out on three pitches. So maybe James Outman strikes out on three pitches, but he gives you a better chance of hitting a home run. And like I said, if he gets on base, you have speed on the bases. So two uh, or three, I guess, overall. Very questionable decisions by Dave Roberts. I don't understand it. Um, if you're going to pinch it, maybe pinch it for Chris Taylor, who's coming up after, uh, James Albin, who, by the way, Josh, we talked about Chris Taylor numerous times all spring. Uh, he couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat and that's kind of carried into the season because I think as of right now, I have the, uh, numbers, uh, right in front of me. Chris Taylor has yet to record a hit and I think he is, let's see right here, 0 for 7 with three strikeouts to start the season. So... Pinch it Austin Barnes for Chris Taylor. I don't care. But for James Outman, I don't know. I, I just had to get all this off my chest, Josh. I know it's game four. I know there's plenty of baseball left to be played. But, I don't know, the decision-making in yesterday's game, Dave Roberts didn't cost the game for the Dodgers. The inability to hit did. But these decisions late, I don't know, man. I'm reaching my breaking point already. We're only four games into the season. Can you calm me down? Can you try and calm me down, Josh? Well, it's still early. It's early. It's only four games against a team that you think is a wild card team. So, um, I don't know about that, but I think D-backs have a much better lineup than I thought they were going to have. Um, but you know, I don't know. It's 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 tough to say. I think that the Dodgers, um, 
you know, I, I try to not have issues with the way the games are managed and, and things like that. But yeah, I mean, you know, based off of our conversation with what we thought the Dodgers were going to do this year without Evan Phillips and how they wanted to use him, that doesn't really fall in line with what we saw, you know, on Sunday. And then, yeah, I mean, it's the same. Like, I want to see James Altman take at-bats. And, you know, after watching him and Trace Thompson so far and in spring training, more with Altman than, than Trace Thompson. But we're looking at these guys like, are these really the guys that didn't deserve ABs ahead of Joey Gallo and Cody Bellinger in the playoffs? Um, and now here they are. So let them get those ABs, especially in tough situations. Like, just throw them out there and see what they can give you. So that's how I kind of see it. Um and then on top of that, yeah, I, you know, the Evan Phillips thing doesn't really line up with what we thought he was going to do and how he was going to be used. So that's a little bit odd, but it's still early. Let's see what we get. Obviously, that maybe that's a learning experience. Maybe from now on, the Dodgers do not play analytically whatsoever for the rest of the season. All 158 games, no analytics. Huh. All small ball. <laughs> Josh, April 1st was two days ago, my friend. No <laughs> analytics? Dodge, this team would be like a 120-win team if they didn't play analytics. <laughs> like, I'm looking up right now, James Outman, through four games, has an OPS of 12.59. And Dave said no. No. Austin Barnes. That's the answer right there. So, yeah, like I said, four games. Uh, that's all it took for me to reach my breaking point. We are going to take one quick break, Josh. When we come back, I'm going to throw it to you because I want to hear your thoughts on something brand new at Dodger Stadium that uh, a lot of people are talking about on social media. So we're going to take a quick break. Come right back with that. All right, so as we talked about earlier in the episode, Josh was at the game Saturday night. Uh, I'm going to be there on Tuesday night for my first game of the season. So hopefully I can experience this because... Uh, Josh, I went to three games last season and never got to experience the air horn on a home run, so maybe I won't get to experience this as well like you did, but one of the new things at Dodger Stadium this year is like this crazy light show they do whenever there's a home run, there's like a pitching change, they install these new lights, they flicker, they turn blue, so for someone that got to experience a lot of home runs, a lot of pitching changes, I just want to hear what your thoughts were on these uh, new lights going on at Dodger Stadium. Well, I thought last year, so the first time I remember hearing, um, I, I remember hearing the home run siren was last year, and I think it was during Cody Bellinger's grand slam against the Giants, which was awesome. My roommate said the exact same thing. Um, but that's the first time he remembers hearing it. Well, I think the home run siren is badass. I love it because the Dodgers have never really had anything like that before. It was just the, you know, the, the I think it's the or it's a Calvin Harris song or an Avicii song I forget the the let's go and then they score and then it's just a don't like that give me the the, the what Josh like, the, the what that <laughs> give me this air raid siren that echoes through the hills like that thing is awesome and then and then now you mix the lights in and it's awesome I think it's really cool. Um, Love it. Um, I, you know, hear Tori Lovello doesn't like it and the D-backs don't like it, to which I say, okay. Um, other than that, get over it. Don't don't give up home runs. You should do yeah. it if you don't like it. But, yeah, no, I thought it was awesome. I thought it was really cool. Um, and uh, definitely a nighttime thing. But, um, yeah. 
looks cool because it also has like specks of blue in it too. So it was awesome. And mixed with the siren, I think it's awesome. Yeah, it looks cool. I, I will give the D-backs uh, just slight uh, reason to be a little upset just because I think on opening nights, whoever was running the lights, I think was getting a little too excited where the second, like I think they made a pitching change, like the bullpen door was about to swing open and then it just goes pitch black in the stadium. And I think the Dodgers just like had the lights turned off while the entire time he was warming up. So, hey, maybe it's like a home field advantage kind of thing that you can use, but I think it looks cool. I'm sure it's a lot better in person than on TV. Uh, but Because I, I know there were some people that were like, they don't like it when the Dodgers hit a home run where it's like pitch black and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I'll hopefully, again, like I said, experience it firsthand because like I mentioned, Josh, I went to three games last season post uh, home run siren era and the Dodgers did not hit a home run. So I have yet to experience the uh, siren home run. But also one final thing, Josh, before we wrap up this episode, something I want to get your quick thoughts on. And uh, we've seen marriage proposals at Dodger Stadium. We see them all the time on the big on the jumbotron. Josh, will you marry me? You know something like that. Very cute. But I no. I, <laughs> I do not think we've seen a marriage proposal just like the one we saw on opening night. Now originally, we saw this guy get absolutely decked by a security guard, like a full NFL linebacker tackle, and I was like, man, this guy got absolutely decked. And then it comes out. It was actually a marriage proposal. Uh, she said yes. But Josh, uh, running on the field, pulling out a ring, and proposing from left field to your girl in the bleachers, uh, is that a win or is that a loss when it comes to uh, marriage proposals on your end? Well, let me tell you how this one went down, Blake. They're sitting at a game a year ago. Proposes on the big screen. And she's like, that's so tacky. Don't ever do that. And he's like, damn, that's what I was going to do. Eventually. So let me rework this. Let me rework this idea in my head. And finally, he's sitting there watching a spring training game going, I've got it. Foolproof plan to show my love. So he jumps over the fence, runs out there in the outfield. It says, excuse me, James Outman, one moment, please. And drops to a knee to propose. I don't know if that's how I would go to propose to somebody, especially even at a game. It is what it is. Watch him get absolutely drilled like Mike Bercovici in the AAF. Oh. I mean, no offense, <laughs> Mike. We love Mike Bercovici. But, oh my God, did this guy get rocked. And... I kind of think about it. Did he deserve to get rocked like that? Did he need to get rocked like that? Because at that point, yeah. he's already vulnerable. That security guard was like, you know what? JV football back in 1996, this is my time. And he just laid him out. So that was his time. That was his big moment for both of them. And they both delivered for the general populace. So good, good on them. Yeah, I mean, supposedly the dude got a concussion and broken ribs from the hit. Yeah, I bet. So he got rocked. I mean, that's the thing everyone's like, because normally how these, when these field stormers happen, you never see him get drilled like this because they're being chased. So eventually they're being chased. They slow down. A guy tackles them and whatnot. They're never a sitting duck. They're never just right there waiting to get absolutely nailed. So I know a lot of people are like, the security guard didn't have a reason to, which, I mean, I guess to be fair, in the moment, you're not, you don't know what's going on. 
he had to have, I think, when he was running, see the guy was, you know, with the ring out proposing. So I don't think he necessarily needed to get hit like that. Maybe kind of like you get to him and you say, okay, buddy, get up. My favorite thing is watching the slow-mo. When you see the ring just absolutely launch angle of like 100 degrees up in the air, it goes flying. I don't know what happened to the ring. Like if another security guard picked it up and uh, brought it, you know, to the jail cell. So I guess that's a one in a million kind of proposal. We've never seen anything like it. That's a story to tell forever. And the crazy thing is, Josh, because if I'm the, if I'm the girl, clearly... They are diehard Dodger fans. I would be pretty pissed yeah. if my boyfriend just got me banned from Dodger Stadium. I technically, I guess she wouldn't be banned, but he would be banned. So that way you can't go to Dodger games anymore. Whenever you hear about these field runners, they always get like a lifetime ban. Yeah. So this guy only got one year. I don't know if you heard about this. He only got a one year ban from Dodger Stadium. So I guess it could have been worse. But my guess is I think the Dodgers knew that this guy got absolutely killed i he got the concussion he got the broken ribs and i think maybe they were like hey so uh you got broken ribs in a concussion we'll give you a one-year ban if you want to keep this on the down low just in time for Shohei. <laughs> yes so uh what a proposal again i i thought it was fantastic it took a lot of balls to do that I'll give him credit, but I also don't think that he was expecting, like you said, 1996 junior varsity backup linebacker coming in and laying out the hit of his life because that was something. But hey, at least, I mean, at that point, Josh, if you're also the girl, can you say no? No, you have to say yes. <laughs> no, you know, you know what? I guess you could say yes then and then a few a few weeks later maybe say, I don't really know. But on the spot, like you see your boyfriend get absolutely trucked. You're viral. How do you say no to this? She was put in a really tough position here. Just no comment. No yeah. comment. It. That's what you got to do. So uh, I don't think there's going to be a marriage proposal at Dodger Stadium that's top this season. But hey, maybe someone's going to uh, slide home and the umpire's in on it. And <laughs> the umpire, instead of going safer out, uh, I don't know. Maybe People are creative. Maybe they'll find something else to do. But Josh, let us wrap up today's episode of Inside the Ravine. Again, you know it's Dodger baseball when you're four games into the season and the sky is falling and you're like me and you're blaming Dave Roberts. So plenty of baseball still yep. to come. Uh, I believe the Rockies come into town for a quick two-game series. Dodgers send off an off day, then they go on the road to play the D-backs once again. It's kind of crazy with the schedule. I think they played the D-backs eight times in the first ten. I think you said this in the last episode. They play them eight times in the first two weeks, and then five times the rest of the season. So it's going to be a lot of D-backs uh, to start the season. Josh, any uh, final thoughts, final words before we uh, wrap this thing up? Well, the next time we talk, we'll probably be talking about Dodgers D-backs again. Yes. <laughs> Only Dodgers D-backs the rest of the season. We'll skip no over show. the Rockies. Any other time. Yeah. So we're just going to have like a four-month gap uh, until the next time the Dodgers play the D-backs. But as always, you guys can listen to the show wherever you guys get your podcasts. We're on Spotify, Apple, and of course on the Odyssey app. You guys can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Inside the Ravine. Go to YouTube. You guys can find the full shows there as well. For Josh Schaefer, this has been Blake Harris. Thank you guys so much, as always, for listening. We really do appreciate it. We'll see you guys in the next episode, and enjoy the rest of your week, wherever you may be.